The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we tend to think of prayer as belonging only to religion, not to life, just to religion. For those who don't pray, there's a tendency to believe that prayer is a dependency on magical thinking. Or perhaps we say, we forgot to pray. Many people say that, even if they are prayers. But the biggest question here is, what is prayer? Is it just the words we say to a higher being, or is it something else? And if it is just the words we say to a higher being, what are we allowed to say, and what is inappropriate to say? More importantly, what will prayer mean if it doesn't get answers answered the way we thought it should be answered? And is it possible that prayer is actually very different than what we have imagined it to be? That's going to be the topic of our show today, so you want to be here for the whole thing. So prayer, as I got taught it when I was a little girl, was, you know, you put your hands in front of your face in a steeple fashion and you say certain words. Um, the grace at the table was said in a certain way. Your midnight, your go-to-bed prayers were said in another way, um, but you always had to close your eyes, either be on your knees or and or have your hands steepled in front of your face. I remember my daughter when she was three years old. Uh, we had uh, my family had said prayers around the table before before a meal, and uh, my daughter uh, told everybody it was her turn to pray that day, and she was, I guess, about three, maybe not quite three, but uh, she still was in her high chair. And she made everybody hold their hands up in a, the steepled fashion. And um, everybody had to close their eyes. And, of course, I peeked because I wanted to see what she was going to do because I thought she was so precious. And she said she, she closed her eyes really tight. And she had her hands up in front, of her, in front of her face. And she said, God, 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 God. Okay, let's eat. And that was the prayer. And I loved it, and I've always remembered it, and it was it's a very special a moment in our lives together. And um, I really think maybe, maybe she had it right. I think maybe that that's what prayer really is. Us just going, God, 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 God. You know, uh, we look at something beautiful, and we go, oh, my God. We see something awesome, and we go, oh, my God. We see something terrifying, and we say, oh, my God. I think those are prayers. Um, It's a way of recognizing the God in its essence in whatever it is we're looking at. The awesome event, the beautiful natural thing, the the terrifying thing, whatever it is, we're we're calling God into it. We're speaking God of it. We're allowing it to be the God we see it to be. 
and and I think that's really really important. We you know people say well that was you know you're taking the Lord's name in vain. Some people say that. I don't even think in those terms anymore. I, I once did, but I don't anymore. And um, but but some people would say that, and I would say, well, how how can that be in vain? How can God, the name of God, ever be in vain if we see God in everything? And and by God, I mean the divine in any form in which you recognize the divine. Um, so. I, I think it's really important for us to explore this whole concept of prayer. I've heard some people say, well, I don't pray. I think God knows what I need, and that's all I need to do. I just need to know, trust that. And I think that's a kind of prayer, and I think that's fine. Um, I've heard other people say that, uh, that, like I said in the, in the in introduction, that prayer is a, sort of a waste of time because it's magical thinking. And I would say that even as they're walking through their life, their life is a prayer. And we're going to be talking about that. But before we do that, let's look at some of the quotes from, from some uh, various religions about, about faith. I mean, prayer, excuse me. Uh, the prophet Muhammad said, uh, uh, well, let me start that again. This is in the Sihi Bukhari, but it was about the prophet Muhammad. It said, a man asked the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. What kinds of deeds are best in the sight of God? He replied, to pray on time. So we know that in the Muslim faith there are five times a day that a prayer is required and and it's essential to a person's peace of mind and well-being and their blessed nature to be able to pray in these ways. And each one of these prayers is specific to the time of day and so it is about it's important to pray on time. So I think this interesting the thing about time is really interesting when we think about prayer because time is something that we made up it's not something that was given to us by some sacred person or, or some uh, lord of, of, of time. We don't, it wasn't given to us. It was something we calculated to fit into uh, the way the earth revolves around the sun and uh, the way the moon moves with the tides and et cetera, et cetera. And so we, we, we made time and we uh, decided that time was a standard, a real thing. And we live our lives by it. We prescribe our lives. We have to be at work at 8 o'clock. We have to go home at 5 o'clock. We have to put the kids to bed by 9 o'clock. We have to, you know, we, we do these things and on as a routine. So we live by time. So if we're also praying on time, I think that's relevant. If we're praying within the time constraints that we have ourselves have built, then we're bringing the divine into those time constraints. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um. Another uh, Muslim quote, prayer is an amazing exchange. You hand over your worries to Allah and he hands over his blessings to you. I really like that. That's, that's a way of thinking about how we can just sort of rest in, in the divine. If the divine is in everything, then we can actually rest in that. Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Buddhist, said, walk as if you are kissing the earth with your feet. Uh, I think that would be very much like a prayer, don't you? Uh, that that we're walking, bringing the divine, bringing the essence of life, bringing the reception of how it feels to walk into our our love nature. We're walking as if we're kissing the earth with our feet. Um, so we're actually claiming that space as ours. We're we're putting our foot down. We're feeling how the foot feels on the earth, and we're claiming that space. Oh, now I stand here. That's a kind of prayer. 
for it brings the divine into our awareness. It brings us into awareness of the richness and fullness of life, which is by its very essence the divine nature. The Buddha said, no one saves us but ourselves. No one can and no one may. We ourselves must walk the path. I can't agree more with that. Uh, the books that I've written all are about that whole thing about saving ourselves instead of depending on someone else to save us. So we have to go back to the reference in the beginning of the uh, introduction to the show when we talked about um, some people believe that praying is a waste of time because it's magical thinking because they would say, well, you're praying to God when you need to get busy saving yourself. And I think if that's the way, if that's what somebody really is doing, then the Buddha would agree that um, waiting on some uh, image we have to fix our lives is not the answer, but to find the divine within ourselves and rely upon that super strength that we have within ourselves to actually accomplish the results we're looking for. So that means we kick ourselves into gear and we trust that the, that the divine is doing it through us. That's what uh, we talk about effortless effort. We talk about that idea of effortless effort. What it means is I'm plugged in, but I'm plugged into the zone. So the zone is actually carrying me as I do the work of the zone. So it's a kind of, of, of um, feeding on each other kind of thing. I'm here. I'm present with the zone. The zone is present with me, and we together are in this energy, and our energy is accomplishing its goal. Uh, and that, I think, is what we're talking about, what the Buddha would call the living in the Buddha nature. Um, he probably wouldn't have said it that way because he didn't use the Buddha nature term, but um, that came after he died. But, but it, uh, he, th- that Buddha nature is very similar in its essence to what we call in the Christian faith the Christ nature. So, uh, so what he, he would say there is that we, we trust that our, our truest nature can accomplish with its energy what we intend to accomplish with our energy. And that is us plugging into the deepest divine essence of who we are. So there is nothing that is not divine. That's, a, that's an assumption and a premise I'm basing all of this on. There is nothing that is not divine energy. Every tree, every blade of grass, every flower, every um, rock, every person, every animal, every breath, puff of air, everything on the planet is, 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 is filled up to overflowing with divine nature. All of the molecular structure of everything on the earth is divine. So uh, we don't recognize that as true in our daily routines. We don't see that. And I think, that, as I said last week and as I've said in previous episodes, I think the reason we don't see that uh, is because we are living in a dualistic mindset in which we have come to believe that we're separate from the divine. And so we live out that kind of thinking instead of the thinking that says that we're one with all things and that one thing, all things are one with us. Um, but if the premise is true, the assumption is true that all things are divine, then everything we do ultimately has a prayer in it. So another quote by the Buddha, you only lose what you cling to. 
Well, clinging to something is a kind of prayer, don't you think? I'm praying to that thing to, to, to give me what I want. I, it, it, I, I want you to stay in my life because you give me life energy. I want you to stay in my life because I feel that I can't live without you. My very breath depends on you being present in my life. How many times have lovers said that to each other over and over again, and ultimately we lose each other anyway? So, uh, that, but that clinging to is a kind of prayer to that other person to the God in that other person, to the divine in that other person, to stay here with me, please. I love you. I want to hold you. I want to keep you for longer. Um, that That's a kind of prayer. So we ultimately do lose those things, um, and uh, we feel that as a loss, and that's what the Buddha was talking about, is we feel that loss. We've lost lots of other things that we didn't even notice, but we noticed this because we clung to it. But that doesn't mean that... Um, that the clinging itself was not also a prayer. And the loss itself, doesn't that also become a prayer? When we, when we uh, allow ourselves to experience the loss, aren't there all manner of prayers in that? Aren't there all manners of, why is this happening? Isn't that a prayer? What, how can I deal with this loss? Isn't that a prayer? Uh, what will I do without him or her? Isn't that a prayer? All of these things, they, they rise up out of our deepest urgings and they, they, they move into the divine, the sacred, the inner uh, sacred, um, the inner temple, if you will. The uh, Mahatma Gandhi said, prayer is not asking, it is a longing of the soul. It is a daily admission of one's weakness. It is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. I love that quote. Um, it's better in everything, in my opinion, to have a heart with, uh, without words than words without a heart, uh, but specifically in prayer. So, prayer is not asking. That's what he says here. Even though in the text of the Christian Bible, we see ask and it shall be given to you. And we see, we see you know, go into your closet where your father will hear you. We, we, we see ask, ask, ask. And asking is something we are doing without knowing we're asking very commonly, but very commonly we also know that we're asking. Uh, but the biggest thing is it's a, it's a longing of the soul. And a prayer that's not a longing of the soul is not answerable. And that's what I believe about prayer. A prayer that is not a longing of the soul is not answerable. How can uh, the very essence of your soul, which is your divine essence, answer a quest that doesn't even come from something real. Only reality answers reality. So those, those, those will not be answered. And so we may ask with words, but they're words without a heart. And so they're not answerable. That's my, my take on that. And, uh, but what he says there is it's an admission of our weakness. It's an admission of our need. Uh, it's an admission of our, our duality. It's an admission that we don't really realize that we already are one with the divine. And we, are, we don't realize it, so we might as well admit that. We, it's really difficult for us to, to, to realize that. So, uh, in the Christian faith, we see uh, one of my favorites of all time is this one. Um, it has been interpreted otherwise, but this is one of my favorites of all time in, in the Christian text. It's in Matthew 6, 6. It says, when you... But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, 
most of the most of people who look at that translate that to mean don't pray in front of other people because other people will see you and you'll just be doing it to pray in front of them because that verse is followed immediately by verse 7 that says and when you pray do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words um, and it also says later not don't go out on the street corner and pray because you know you're just doing that to entertain other people so um but this thing about going to your inner room, one of the, uh, the way it was first translated in the King James Bible was go into your closet and pray. And, uh, and your father who in, 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 uh, hides in the secret will also reward you in secret uh, or in public even. It said that. Um, but now it says inner room. When we look at it closer to, and look at the real language, it says inner room. So go into your inner room. And what is an inner room but your own inner sanctum? You know, the inner sanctum of the Jewish temple is the the place of the Holy of Holies. It's the place where we meet the deepest essence of the divine. And so we're supposed to go into that deepest place inside of us to pray. And that's a kind of meditation. We go there to, we go into the deepest part of ourselves where we meet our own souls and then we can hear the longings of our souls and that is how prayer happens. And I, that's why I love this verse so much because it says so much more than what it looks like it says on the surface. And, and then it says, your father who sees what is in secret. I think that's talking about the mystery of the divine. The, the, the mystery of the divine will, will reward you with its mystery. So when, when we re- recognize uh, that, we, that we live in the mystery of the divine ourselves, then we begin to to live into and lean on that mystery instead of expecting certain results instead of demanding certain outcomes we live in the mystery of i wonder what's going to happen now what loving amazing profound thing is going to happen now and sometimes that's hard to get to i sometimes have hard time getting to that myself as well but i do eventually get there if i sit with my soul because my soul answers me as I sit with it. So the interesting thing about being going to your inner room, going into that deep inner sanctum, is that you not only hear the longings of the soul, but you hear the soul answer sometimes as well. That the answer is simply, yeah, be still and watch this. I've got something to show you. Um, and what we get shown more often than not is ourselves. And so that's the interesting part of that, that prayer, that when we, when we go into the inner room, into the inner sanctum of ourselves, what we come up with is the mystery of the divine. And that shows us ourselves. And the mystery of ourselves, the complexity of ourselves, the, the, the yes-no of ourselves, the, the, the duality of ourselves. We get to see all of that when we go into the inner sanctum. So that's a beautiful verse that I really like, and it says so much more than what it's been interpreted to say. I think, um, and and so you know, we're told several times also that we need to to, to go ahead and ask for what we need, and it says, if you uh, Matthew seven eleven says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? So there is the assumption there that's being given to us that, okay, if you pray, good things are going to happen to you, and and uh, we're going to talk about those good things right after the break. So you want to stay tuned for that. Be right back.
The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you just seem to be stuck in the same pattern over and over? Sometimes life seems to be about just spinning your wheels. It never has to be that way. Listen for Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with host Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Mosaic art is a lot like pieces of our lives. They just need to be put back together, one piece at a time. You deserve to live a happy life. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. I want to tell you about the all-new season coming up of two-time award-winning series Super Soul Sunday featuring Oprah Winfrey's inspirational interviews with thought leaders and authors, spiritual teachers, and visionaries, which premieres Sunday, August 7th. That's not this Sunday, but next Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, Oprah Winfrey Network. The new season of Super Soul Sunday features thought-provoking, in-depth interviews with New York Times best-selling author Dr. Shafali Tassabari on the 7th of August, life strategist Tony Robbins and his wife Sage Robbins on August the 14th, the Humane Society of the United States President and CEO Wayne Passell on August the 21st, Hollywood power couple Devon Franklin and Megan Good on August the 28th. And all of these things will go on all the way through October. So you want to be here for that. We're going to be talking about each one of these shows more particularly as they come up. And uh, you want to be uh, there for that. One of my favorite things to do on a weekend is watch Super Soul Sunday with Oprah Winfrey's inspirational interviews. So don't miss it. Uh, We're talking today about prayer, to pray or not to pray. That is the question, and we are asking that question overtly today, and we're not afraid to come to some conclusions. What we've done so far is quote some things from the uh, Buddhist faith, the Muslim faith, the uh, from Hindu faith, and from the Christian faith about prayer. 
And the last one we were talking about was in the Christian faith. It says, Matthew seven eleven says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good, good gifts, give good gifts to those who ask him? And we said that asking is a very prominent feature of how it's looked at in the Christian uh, uh, idea about prayer. And, um, and then we're supposed to make the assumption that if we ask then we're going to get good gifts. And what we have to look at is what is the meaning of good? Well, first of all, good is a, stand, is a word that is not standardized in any form. Um, it's what's good to one person is bad to another. What's good to one group of people is bad to another. What's good to one culture is bad to another. What's good to one society is bad to another. What's good to one nation is sometimes bad to another. So um, we don't have a standardized version of goodness. And so we have to assume that the good there is a divine perspective on the good and not the human perspective on good because there's no standardized human definition of good. And, and what, what, the, what we see when we really peel back the layers of the word from the, uh, from the Hebrew and from, from um, the Greek texts is that the word good has to do with a sense of uh, connection to the divine, a sense of love, uh, a sense of personal empowerment that comes from that. You know, we talked a little while ago about being in the zone where you're in effortless effort, where both you're, you have joined the zone and the zone has joined you and you together are accomplishing this thing without spending a lot of energy. Um, and that's kind of the way goodness is seen as well, that that we join in with the divine and become one with the divine and then we operate out of the divine energy. And so we're doing without really putting a lot of you know, real striving into that doing. And so that's the that's what I think it means by the word good, that it's saying this is something that comes to you directly from the divine. It's not something that you can manufacture on your own without being in that zone of the divine energy. Um, one of the, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the exact verse, and I can't think of it. I think it's in Matthew 5, but I'm not sure. But it, it says, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Uh, that's Jesus talking, and he says, but the Father does it through me. And so what, what he's saying there is that same thing I'm saying, that, that um, when we join into realization that we are divine, that our, the molecular structure of our bodies and minds are divine, then we are, uh, and our thoughts are, can, uh, the energy behind our thoughts is divine, not that our thoughts are always thinking divine thoughts but or or that we are not always aligned with duality instead of with oneness but uh, but that the energy behind that comes from the divine and we can turn back into the divine zone and be operating from that energy anytime we we want to um, and that's what Jesus was saying that he operates in the zone with the divine energy he doesn't operate uh, from the initiative of his of his identity, what some would call his ego, I don't call, use that term, but uh, what, what, but of his identity was as as this son of a carpenter who, you know, traveled uh, around as an itinerant uh, kind of healer and preacher. Um, he didn't identify with that. He 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 said, "I can do nothing of my own initiative. I'm no longer capacitated to do things of my own initiative. I do things in the zone now." I do things from the, as they come from the energy of the divine, 
within me. And so he was a person who recognized himself completely as a divine being and I believe came here to show us how it is to live on earth as a divine being. He did not, in my opinion, come here to show us uh, uh, how what our sins were and how we should be forgiven and how we should let him be the new God in our lives. That's not what he asked for. He came. He said, I come to get that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. He did not say, I came here to be your savior and make you worship me forever. Um, so, uh, you know, the whole concept begins to shift when we begin to see that, oh, this has something more to do with uh, not my version of good, but but the divine version of good. And so, so we can definitely make the assumption that the divine version of good will be given to us when we make that prayer. When we ask, uh, we, we can know that we will get good gifts of the divine. And, um, and so that's that, you know, when we talk about prayer, you know, that prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, uh, uh, you know, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's basically saying that thy will be done this, uh, on earth as it is in heaven is saying, let everybody live in the zone. Let, let's, let's all live in the, in the power of oneness. Let's all come to understand that we are, that we are divine beings who live in the power of oneness. And that's, so that was the prayer. And it hasn't, you know, we can look around and say, well, it's, it hasn't really been answered, you know, because look at all this crazy stuff that's going on. And certainly right now in our country, there's a lot of fear uh, based in a lot of uh, hate messages that are being sent out uh, by various groups. And, and, and uh, you know, certainly I would be one to stand up and say, you know, let's, let's turn that around. Let's, let's look in terms of love instead of hate. But... Um, but that's the energy we're living out right now, and it's a part of our collective unconscious that has to come forward in order for us to be able to really put it to rest. I mean, I think the law, in the, uh, the civil rights law that started back in the 50s and has continued to be put on the books is, um, was one thing. But putting a, a new understanding about difference into our psychology has been one challenge after another over the past 30 years. Um, not only with uh, people of color and whites, but uh, gay, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered persons, and people that are heterosexual and uh, of uh, only understand their their sex in terms of, you know, the, the assigned sex at birth. Those those uh, those are the differences. At least some of them that we're coping with. We're also coping with the difference between people who want to get married and people who want to just live together. That's difference. Uh, all kinds of differences have come into our awareness since the 1960s that are making is making us have to look at difference and deal with it. And there's a lot of people that are just going, no, 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 I'm not going to deal with it. I hate those people. I hate difference. Those people are all wrong for being different. And we need to just get them off the earth. They're, they're just the scourge of the earth. So um, what that says is that they're afraid of being uh, of 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 difference itself, so they've got a difference phobia, and um, and there's a lot of people out there like that, and that's a psychology we have to deal with. Uh, but does that mean that our prayer that that prayer is not being answered? I don't think so. I think the psyche of each individual is leaning toward wholeness. Um, I think that means that uh, that that each person is in a process of becoming whole. 
whether they get it in this lifetime or another lifetime, they're in that process of becoming whole. And, and that is true for the collective as well, and that we come here as an evolving, changing collective, and that we are eventually going to understand who we are as divine beingness and understand that that was what the divine was creating of it originally was uh, a, a, another part of himself, a more, itself, whatever that is. So, so, you know, prayers that don't get answered don't mean what we think they mean, and we're going to talk some more about that in a little bit. But for right now, what I want to say is that we've been instructed in the Christian Bible to to ask for what we want and to make the assumption that good gifts will be given to us when we ask for what we want. And I say there's all kinds of ways of asking. I think we ask in the way that Thich Nhat Hanh talked about it when he said that we, uh, wa- we could, should walk as if we're kissing the earth with our feet. Um, I think that, um, that the Buddha was teaching us how to pray when he said, no one saves us but ourselves. No one can and no one may. We ourselves must mock the path. He was saying that you are, you know, I'm not sure that the Buddha would sit right here and agree with the way I'm saying this, but I believe that what he was saying is that we are a divine essence. We are uh, the Buddha. We are all one with each other and one with everything else and one with whatever divine essence there is. And so, um, therefore, we don't look outside of ourselves for some faraway divine entity to come and save us. We are responsible in our own divine natures to save ourselves. And um, so if you take that one statement out of context, you would sound, he would sound like an intellectual atheist who would, who would say, there is no God and you can't, no, nothing else can save you. And they, those same people might say it's a waste of time to pray because you can't, uh, because there's no magical thinking. There's no magical magic out there that's going to save you. So, uh, but actually, um, if prayer is what I think it is, then every atheist and every agnostic and every Christian and every Buddhist and every Muslim and every Hindu and every Jainist and every person of any other faith is praying all the time in everything they think and everything they say and everything they do. Everything is a prayer. Sometimes we're praying to God, to the divine, whatever that is to us. Sometimes we're praying to other people, which is also praying to the divine because the divine essence is in all things. Sometimes we're praying to money, but that's also divine because all things are divine. Uh, sometimes we're praying to nature. Sometimes we find ourselves uh, like if our, your car gets stuck in the sand and you're cursing the sand and just, you know, you can't get out of the sand and you're trying to get the tires up out of the sand. That's a prayer. You're asking the prayer, the sand to please move out of the way and let you move your car. Um, we, rage is a prayer. Rage is a way of saying, I've got this huge energy right here that needs something and I need for you to give it to me now. That's what rage is. I'm so frustrated because I can't have that thing that I want or I'm so angry that somebody did something to me and I'm and in the midst of that rage what I'm doing is praying that it will stop that I won't hurt as bad that the frustration will cease that something needs to move this boulder out of my way so there the soul there is longing that's what Mahatma Gandhi was talking about that prayer was not asking it's a longing of the soul um, and he's and he said to not pray without heart 
that it's better to pray have prayer it's better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart and and so what he's saying there is um is you know I'm that rage has put my whole soul out there for you to hear how how powerfully urgently I want this thing that I want and um and so uh, we we might even go so far to say, even though it's really a uh, heinous crime, that violence even is a kind of prayer. It's awful prayer. It's an awful prayer, and yet it's a kind of prayer. It's a kind of way of saying, um, you, "You've hurt me," or, "Or uh, I need for you to do something different," or "I need for you, who I think is bad for me, to be off the earth." I need something. I need something, and I'm, and I'm violently, uh, aggressively, showing you that I need this thing. And so my behavior is a prayer. Now, I don't agree with violence. Let me be very clear about that. But that doesn't mean the divine hasn't heard that as a prayer. That doesn't mean that the divine can't turn that into an answer, not only for the one who prayed, who was enraged and was violent, but also for the one who was hurt by the violence. Um, so, uh, so if prayer really is in every action, in every word, in every thought, in every deed that we do, then perhaps we should be paying more close attention to what we're thinking and saying and doing, becoming more conscious of that so that the prayer really is a conscious prayer so that we begin to, to be... a to sit into our own inner sanctum and really uh, be able to reach out to the divine in a way that the divine will reward that effort to be present with the divine. Presence is the thing I'm talking about here. How to be present with, with ourselves and the deeper aspect of ourselves, with our souls and the longing of our souls so that we can hear both the question the quest and the answer to the quest, sometimes even in the same moment, I've experienced that where I've, I've sat with the inner sanctum of myself and, and then um, I'm sitting with that deep longing and suddenly the answer becomes very crystal clear to me and I'm, I'm at peace. Uh, that's a really special experience. It doesn't happen that way every time. But being able to sit with your own soul's longing is one of the most profound things that we can do. And it does have its own reward. Uh, so um, when we're talking about the, the, the whole concept of prayer as being something different than what we've understood it to be, we've made, a kind, we've made all kinds of assumptions about what it means to pray, that only good people pray, and when they pray, they only pray for certain things, and if they pray too selfishly, then they're, then they're not going to be good prayers, and, you know, there's people that are, they consider themselves prayer warriors, and they're out there praying for all kinds of people in all kinds of circumstances, and sometimes they see really good results, and sometimes they don't, and, um, you know, uh, what do we do when we don't get the answer we want? What does that feel like? What, what, do we, what happens then? Um, and we'll talk some more about that uh, after the break, about what, what we do when we don't get what we want. But the idea question we were asking today was to pray or not to pray. And the answer is we never stop praying. 
we don't have any choice about it. We're always praying. We're always praying in every word, every thought, every emotion, every uh, action that we perform. We're always in a prayer. We just don't know it. We just aren't conscious of it. And that's why it might behoove us to become more conscious because everything is a prayer. So we're going to talk some more about what do you do when your prayer isn't answered the way you want it to be answered right after the break. Stay tuned for the more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. If you are ready to take control of your health, your relationships, and your life, then tune in to Awakened Hearts with hosts Rebecca and Boyd Campbell. All of us are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. Awakened Hearts will help you deepen your connection with spirit. Each program will feature live intuitive readings and special guests. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It's important to know as energetic beings how to feel grounded and healthy. We strive to help teach about the energetics within you and the world around you. Listen for Three Petals Healing with host Lauren Dillon Merrill. Through her experience and that of her guests, Lauren will bring you the support, encouragement, and knowledge to discover this every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. we're back talking today about prayer and the question is to pray or not to pray and what we said in the last segment what is, is that the answer was we can't stop praying there's not we don't have a choice we're praying all the time we're praying with our skin we're praying with our bones we're praying with the blood that runs through our veins we're praying praying with our words we're praying with our actions we're praying with our thoughts we're praying with our emotions everything is a prayer there's nothing that isn't a prayer because everything is divine, so everything is related to the divine, and everything is uh, a request of the divine, because there's only divine energy in everything. So, that was the answer. The next question is, well, what do you do if you've asked? As the Christian Bible reiterates over and over again, for us to ask, 
and we'll be given what we want. Um, and I think that asking is important. I think it's important for us to be conscious of our asking. Um, so uh, Thich Nhat Hanh said to um, walk as if you're kissing the earth with your feet. It's, that's the same thing that I mean when I say prayer. Pray as if your whole soul is in it. Walk as if you're kissing the earth with your feet. Um, be present with your prayer. Be present with your walk. Be present with your thoughtfulness, your emotions, your mind. Be present in your life. And that's the biggest way that we can be conscious of our prayer. Why? Well, it's not because, and I want to be really clear about this, it's not because I believe that there's some kind of um, good luck or um, you know, good reward waiting for us if we think good thoughts and and stay positive and always have happy emotions and stay on centered on bliss. I don't think that's the answer. I think that's the law of attraction answer. But I will say that the whole of the law of attraction, as it was written back in the late 1980s, was written from a perspective of a prayer. Now, Esther Hicks might disagree with me on that, and I, I challenge her to come talk to me about it if she wants to. But uh, the idea is that uh, uh, that when we ask the universe to give us something based on our activity, what we're doing is bargaining with the universe. We're saying, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, then the universe will do X, Y, and Z. If I can keep my mind positive, always think positive thoughts, keep abreast of my vision board, stay on top of my emotions so that they don't ever become negative, then I will finally have what I want in terms of wealth, in terms of jobs, in terms of relationships, etc., etc. That's how I attract into my life the good things that I want. And that's a bargain with the universe. It says, if, then. If I do this, then you'll do that. Well, you can do that till the sun comes down and the universe might not necessarily agree and that's where we get a sort of no to our prayer it seems like a no but it says so many times in the christian bible ask and you shall receive um your you know your father knows that you need good things if I, your father knows you have need of these things these things are all laid out for us in the christian bible not so much in other texts but in the christian bible there's this constant statement that says that you uh, that if that you want something, you know, ask for it, and you know you're going to be given that. It's what it seems to be saying. But when we talk about the word "good," we look at the many layers of the word "good" and and the Greek language and the Hebrew language and the text that it was written. Uh, it means really divine. The good is the divine. The is the it is the divine energy in all things. So what will be given is the divine. What will be given is the divine. And so when I go into my inner sanctum, where we're instructed to go there and pray. When I go into my inner self, and I sit there, and I listen to my soul say to me what it, what it seems to be longing for, what it longs for most is the divine. What it longs for most is to be present with the divine, to be in that peace of the divine. What I, but it also longs for a new car, uh, uh, you know, some money. Um, a good job, uh, uh, you know, those things that are also part of our experience of life here on planet Earth. There's nothing wrong with wanting those things. And, and so when we find those longings are there and we ask and it doesn't come, what are we to think? What does that mean? Well, you know, I think what we can do is it me, it me, what it means to me when I, when I experience that is that, that I need to spend more time with my soul. 
that I need to spend more time in that inner sanctum, being present with what my soul really wants. I may, I, I, you know, I may not get that car or that job or that relationship or that money right this minute. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I can't have the divine right this minute. And it doesn't mean that there's not something, some gift for me in not having that. Now, that's not what we want to hear. And none of us want to hear that. We want to hear that God is, uh, the divine is a Santa Claus. It's going to, all we have to do is sit on his lap, be good all year, sit on his lap, and he will give us what we've asked for. I want a toy truck. And so I'm, you know, I'm going to get a toy truck. Uh, but that's not the nature of the divine. The divine operates at a mysterious level. And remember what we saw in that verse what we, that we read about um, going into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. The word father there is uh, translated in its deepest meaning in the Greek language to mean source which is the same um, kind of energy that's talked about in the Buddhist texts and the Hindu texts, um, the Bhagavad Gita, all of that, where the source is a mystery. Your father who is in secret, meaning your father or the source, which is a mystery, uh, can see what you have done in mystery and will reward you in mystery. So, uh, so I'm going to translate that again as the way it is translated in the root language. But you, when you pray, go into your own inner sanctum, close the door, and pray to the source who is mystery. And the f- source who sees what is done in mystery will reward you in mystery. And so what we, we need to understand is that what we, what we will get when we pray is mysterious. It is. Uh, it has this quiet, secret, subtle, and yet very powerful energy about it that has to do with being still and present with the divine. And so we ask for what we want, either through some kind of law of attraction, which is a prayer. That's all it is. It's a prayer. Um, and Or through our actions, or through our words, or through our deeds, or through the blood pounding through our veins, or through the anxiety that's in our hearts, or through our depression. We're always praying. And so we ask... And there's a mystery to what's about to unfold. And that's what we need to be willing to do, is sit with the mystery and lean into it. Not lean away from it, not run from it. We tend to want to run from mystery. We tend to want to say, well, I don't have to have any mystery in my life. I need answers. I need certainty. I need security. I need that right now. Um, But maybe we don't. Maybe what we really need is mystery, more mystery and more mystery until we can learn to lean into mystery and be comfortable with uncertainty. Um, because that is more like the divine. That we're not living into expectations that planet Earth is going to make us happy, that all that, that, that is here on this planet, some external source is going to make us happy. But rather that the source of essence, of the essence of who we are, the source of our being, the source of our soul, I mean, you think about your soul being the deepest part of who you are, and yet there's a source to that that's even deeper. And so we want to sit with that and be present with that and lean into that and let the mystery unfold. Um, Will the mystery ever become certainty? Sometimes. It certainly has with planet Earth. The mystery that is divine energy has become a planet. Several different planets that are uh, separated from each other by gravity and all kinds of other things that I don't even have words for. And, uh, and we 
We live here on this ball, hanging in the middle of nowhere, uh, heated by the sun and uh, uh, lit at night by the moon. And here we are, living these lives in this amazing fashion. And we'll, and that's the mystery. So sometimes it's a mystery that we that that there is actually a certainty, <laughs> and that's a paradox. But when mystery decides to become certainty, that means it has created something from nothing. And that is what's happened with planet Earth. There was a nothing, whether you want to call that a black hole, or you want to call that God, or you want to call that Brahman, or whatever you want to call that. Once upon a time, there was a, a quiet nothing. And then here we are. And here we are living. And that that's how mystery became something. Um, and... It can become something again, but we're we're the present. We are to be present with it as that evolves, as we see it becoming something, as we see it uh, being seem seeming to be nothing and then becoming something, um, as we walk through the life that is we're challenged to live, and each one of us has challenges. Each one of us has uh, um, things that we're challenged with that other people are not challenged with, and and uh, they may be similar to other people's struggles, but they're not exactly the same. And it's really important for us to, to, to recognize that this challenge is ours. It's our gift to, be, to, to sort of be a touchstone, to, to, to sort of sharpen our knives on, to, to touch and go, oh, there's that mystery that, of who I am. What the heck am I doing here on this planet? What the heck is this body, this blood pulsing through my veins? What is that? Why do I get to have that? Um, be present with the mystery of that and allow it to become its own power in our minds. That is a way of becoming conscious of prayer. So when I said we, it would behoove us to become conscious, since everything we do, say, think, and feel is, is a prayer, it would behoove us to become conscious of our prayers. I didn't mean that in any kind of threatening way. I didn't mean, oh, you better watch out because if you're not praying for the right thing, you might get the wrong thing. That's not what I meant. What I meant was, that's what makes us present. Being conscious is what brings us into the presence of the moment. So that, uh, so that when, we're, when we're living, we're fully alive. When we're walking, we're walking like we're kissing the earth, like uh, Thich Nhat Hanh said, suggested. And when we're praying, we're praying fully ensouled like Mahatma Gandhi suggested. And when we're praying, we're praying on time, like uh, Muhammad suggested. We, we are, we're, we're really being attentive to what is in the world and being present with that, <clears throat> being present with that, and also being present with what's going on inside of us in that inner sanctum. So, um, being conscious of what we're doing when we're living our lives is what Thich Nhat Hanh was talking about, being fully present. And I believe that that's what prayer is all about, is being fully present with what's going on in our lives, and inside of us and outside of us, to just be present with it. What color is the wall in the room in which you're sitting right now? Do you know? I've had clients walk into my office. I have this big mural. I'm not mural. Uh, uh, it's actually a blanket, but it's got a Celtic uh, ring on this on it, and it's really big and beautiful. And and um, 
clients walk into my office and they don't notice it. And for months, you know, they come into my office once a week and they haven't noticed it. And all of a sudden, one day they go, has that always been there? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's huge. How could you miss it? But no, I don't say that. But I, it, it's one of those things that we just weren't present with before. On their minds was a thousand other things that they needed to talk to me about, lots of hurts and things that were going on. And usually to me, when they first begin to notice the the the, the blanket on the wall is when I when I, they're starting to get a little better. They're starting to be, become more conscious. They're starting to be more present in their lives. And so they begin to notice those little things. So I would ask you, in every room in which you've walked today, what is the color of the wall? Um, when you were walking down the street and you saw someone, did you notice what color his eyes were, her eyes were? When somebody came and shook your hand, did you see their eyes? Did you look into their eyes? Uh, can you be present while looking into someone's eyes? That's one of our most difficult things to do. Did you know that? Really being present while looking into someone's eyes? That's prayer. That's what prayer is. I'm asking to meet you in the, in the corner rooms of your soul when I look into your eyes. And even if you're a stranger, I can love you without ever knowing anything more about your life just by looking in your eyes. So that's what prayer is all about. It's really all about just that whole uh, thing of being present with life. And it is a, a request. It is a request for life to meet you there. Come meet me here where life is real. That's what prayer is. And if we can be present with it, then it can be present with us. So that's what we have for today. We'll be back again next week. And don't forget to tune in to Oprah's uh, show on the 7th of August. Coming up not this weekend, but the following one. And... Um, Remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.